this Sue Skeptical Podcast. I'm Nathan, and joining me today is Susie. Oh, hello. And Craig. Hello. Why, Why are you guys on the wrong side? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're sat at a different table. It confused me. This is Craig's new house, everyone. Isn't it nice? <laughs> yeah, different venue for today. Yes. <clears throat> uh, let's look at the I'm sure they can hear how nice it is. Yes. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a nicer uh, nicer echo in here. Well, People could let yeah. us know. I think possibly there is a bit of echo. Is it a little bit? Not yeah, A little bit echoey. If we were in my house, would be the sound of cicadas. Cicadas. Right. Cicadas, cicadas, tomatoes, mm. tomatoes. Yeah. Um, so it's quieter, definitely quieter. Hmm. And we have another person in the room too. Oh, yes. Hello, Stephen. We're going to talk to him later. Stephen is our interviewer, but he's being antisocial and not joining <laughs> us at the table until he absolutely has to because his arm is being twisted. He's reading the woman's weekly or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh, north and south. Right. Very good. Uh, okay. No email feedback or anything from anyone recently? No? Well, we, we haven't published for a while. Have no, we? we haven't. Sorry, Sorry everyone. We've all been a little bit busy. We've been away. Just, we were away. at the conference. We were at the conference. Should conference we talk was good. about how fantastic the conference was? Go on. Everyone's already forgotten about it, probably, but... It's pretty oh, cool. I thought it was all right. very good. Yeah, that's yeah. right. MC, MC, the MC was great. <laughs> what we was it, um, Rebecca said? The, <laughs> the biggest conference is everyone's terrified of the MC. <laughs> um, yeah, it went really smoothly, and the SGU were good, and mm. the speakers were good. Mm. That maths guy was a bit eh, but... <laughs> we have recorded everything, and they will be going up at some point. Yeah. Um, all of the talks, hopefully. Yep, that was All a very good kicks. good turnout. YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on that. I didn't know we had a YouTube channel. Neither did I, but apparently we do. Okay, All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll put a link to that in there. Oh, I've got to from the last conference already. Okay. You can probably just Google that. I'm sure it'll come up. New Zealand Skeptics mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, and. I have to do sort of a semi-apology as well. I um, I was just walking through uh, the foyer uh, during one of the one of the breaks, and someone came up to me and said, um, "Oh, so when are you guys putting out your next episode?" And I thought, "Oh, a fan, that's nice." And so I had a bit of a conversation with this guy, and uh, told him how nice it was to hear from fans and blah blah blah. And oh, we don't get much email feedback, but you know, it's nice to it's nice. You know, we're trying to encourage people to email in. And more. this was when he then put you, you know. He, he explained he wasn't actually a fan and he was trying to... No, 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 he, he was totally a fan. What's <laughs> hilarious is I noticed his name tag later in the day. Mm-hmm. It's Philip. Ah! Our fan. <laughs> the fan. The fan. <laughs> <laughs> I had right. no idea who he was. I was just having this conversation with him the whole time. So I'm sorry, Philip, that I didn't recognise you. We had never met. Um, well, you and now we, have. we have so many fans that it's hard to... No, well, okay. I've never seen a picture or anything. Right. Um, so there we go. Hi, Philip. Mm. Thanks for coming up and having a conversation. And I did say that we were going to try and do one by the end of the year, and uh, obviously that didn't happen. So I'll apologise for that as well. Oh, this will be out before the end of the year, definitely. Oh, well, yeah, before the end of a year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of my um, regrets in the conference is that I was so busy doing things that I didn't really get. To uh, have any time to talk to people and um that's the weird in the, in the background susie just looked around that was the weird creaking sound that our garage door makes when it opens and we oh, have to put some grease okay. on it okay anyway yeah, but yes I, I didn't didn't have much time to actually spend any time socializing unfortunately or interviewing anyone which is a shame but we're going to work on that anyway too I think busy. we said that last year 
Next bad. next conference, I'll be relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> the next conference well, is next in Christchurch. In Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so that'd be fun. So mm. good, good, all good conference all round, and we're going to do some uh, some sort of a feedback survey of some sort, are we? That people can tell us what they thought. No, I don't know, are we? Um, probably some not. people think seem to think that was a good idea. Oh yeah, probably. Maybe Susan thought it was a good idea. Well, I think I think if you actually asked people when they're at the conference, that would have been good. Yeah, but two months afterwards. Well, this is great because then I've forgotten all the bad stuff, yeah, exactly. all the good stuff. <laughs> time to reflect. <laughs> Damn, what a waste of money that was. <laughs> uh, I think most of the complaints that they wanted a survey for was to do with the the dinner. Oh right, because it was really expensive and there wasn't much to it. It's because some people um, took more than their share. <laughs> well, it wasn't properly explained at the dessert stage that we were only having one dessert. Rather than what it looked like, which was a anyway, buffet, smorgasbord, sort of. What? So you were one of the people that took more than one, were you? I took one of each because I'm like, okay, I'm going to have some dessert now. (laughs) They were tiny, tiny little bit. It was a tiny piece of cake. It was a tiny piece of tiramisu or a tiny little sundae sort of thing. What was the word that you used in between those? Those are the two things that were there. There was tiny little pieces of cake, and there was. Yes. At any rate, yes. or implies you should take one of e- one of either. Well, <clears throat> no, it wasn't made very clear anyway, to us, and we no, were, no, we it should have been more clear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the notice board, which suddenly miraculously has things in it. Yes. Okay. In it. Um, Stephen Mayer, Mayer, Mayer. I think Meyer. it's Mayer. Mayer. Stephen Mayer speaking at Auckland Uni. Um, so he's, he's. I don't know what that is or when that is. Oh, so you don't know Craig? who that is, right? Oh. He's hmm. from the Discovery Institute. Ah, right. He's a creation. Sorry, not a creationist. A an intelligent design proponent. A, a Cree intelligent designist. Um, it's on Monday, the sixteenth of February, um, at the Fisher and Piper Lecture Theatre. So there are a lot of people who are up in arms about this. That. Um, Essentially, a creationist is coming to speak at the University of Auckland, um, and he he has written a book called Darwin's Doubt: The Origin of Animal Life and the Case for Intelligent Design. And uh, essentially, he's using the Cambrian explosion uh, as something that's uh, supposedly inexplicable and therefore God. Explosion. Explosion, which apparently took place over eighty million years, 80 million years or something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they make he makes this big deal about how um, and creationists do about how uh, complex animal life suddenly appeared in the fossil record. Yeah, because um, he hears the word explosion and assumes that it happened quite quickly, yeah. and and there are good reasons for that, and that at that particular time before then. Um, animals didn't have skeletons um, and skeletal whatnot. parts that fossilised. So exactly. um, there's probably tons of things around that they just didn't appear in the fossil record. Anyway, so uh, it would be good to get a whole bunch of people along. Well, apparently, 155 people are going to that lecture and um, and see if we can disabuse him of some of his uh, ask questions. Notions. Go in and ask yeah, questions. Yeah, you won't dispute him of any of no, his but at least things, perhaps but... the uh, it might. Uh, have an effect on the people who come along 
who uh, might actually buy some of his ideas as mm. being uh, true. I don't know. I think the best way to do it would be to turn it into a debate. I don't imagine the organisers have any interest. No, well, it is organised by a Christian group on campus. Um, But there are a lot of people who think that it shouldn't be being held in the lecture theatre. That's a tricky question, though, because you can't just say we're not going to let you talk at the university because we don't like your ideas. I mean, that's kind of the opposite of, of what a university is for, isn't it? And then you ask yourself, what if it was an anti-vaxxer? Would you actually want them to say, no, piss off? Yes. Yeah, you kind of would. Hmm. Hmm. So, I mean... Although I guess an anti-vaxxer is putting people's... That's an actual public harm. Yeah, health danger. Health yeah, danger. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, uh, hmm. Yes, <laughs> I guess you could say, what, what danger does he pose? And it would be drawing a pretty long bow to yeah. actually think so that somebody could come to harm by yeah. believing his uh, particular ideas. But, Creationism yeah. leads to but I guess, denial of the scientific method, which leads mm-hmm. to anti-vaccination, which leads to hate, which yeah. leads to the dark side. So if you had a Holocaust denier yeah. who came to speak, you presumably wouldn't allow him to speak either. But, I mean, that presumably is a is a function of the level of public outrage that would be directed against a Holocaust denier compared to an intelligent design proponent. An interesting analogy is the woman that's trying to do a tour of Australia. Tenpenny. That one, Tenpenny. And And she's mainly been shut down, hasn't she? Well, as far as I know, the last news I saw, um, because of people complaining all of the venues that she was going to speak at have to have pulled out. Yeah. Mm. So she's coming to Australia and they're actually talking to the government to try and get her her visa denied or whatever. Um, but even if she does get in, she's got nowhere to go, nowhere to do any of her talks now. So, yeah. I don't know. Yes, we'll get on the Australians for shutting her down. Yeah. No, they, they, they do really definitely good does do public harm. There. So speaking of events that are coming up then, Aaron Ra and Matt Dillahunty at Auckland University. You say Aaron. Aaron Ra? What, what is it? Yeah, apparently that's not how it's pronounced. Aaron Ra. Aaron Ra. Hmm. Very sorry. Anyway, Aaron Ra and Matt Dillahunty at the University of Auckland something. It's, it's um, on Tuesday, March the 10th, anyway. Six till nine. And there's a Facebook. Yes, and um, it seems it. to be a free event, which is pretty cool, actually, because yeah. um, uh, seeing Aaron Ra and Matt Delahunty, they are definitely um, pretty we cool. We should um, interview them as well while they're here. Yes, we should. We should Someone interview them. Organise that. Can you get right on that, Nathan? I do all the organising of all the speakers. I don't know That's who these people are. Uh, oh, well, they're... Well, um, Aaron Ra is definitely... Well, they're both prominent um, YouTube atheists mm-hmm. and um, they host a public access TV show in Texas uh, called The Atheist Experience. Oh, that must be hard in Texas. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Well, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, they're, they're very well known and... Um, yeah. People call Particularly them. Aaron Ra has um, been to lots of um, atheist conferences around the world and mm-hmm. um, is very, very good at debating creationists. He has a um, series of uh, YouTube videos called The Foundational Falsehoods of 
creation. So he's basically a month late. We need him in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So quite a few things coming up. Yeah. So that'd be really exciting. cool to go along to. Hmm. Yep. So. Actually, I could um I could move one of my stories. No, I'll leave it. Carry on. News. Bigfoot hunter looking for investors. Mm. Susie, where this do I send my money? <laughs> uh, this was reported in the Wall Street Journal um, a few days ago that there's a company listed on um, NAS, NASDAQ, NASDAQ, NASDAQ. Um, looking for uh, investors. The company is called Bigfoot Projects Investments Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Um, its CEO is Richard Fletcher. Um, but there are eight people apparently associated with it and um, they want they're looking to sell 30 million shares for 10 cents a share Um, and they say that the money is going to be used to um, make DVDs and other things about um, uh, Bigfoot um, to make and they cut oh, to develop a video movie about Bigfoot to pay for all of that. They haven't they already got one of those? That was the Pattinson film. Um, yeah, it's also to what do they want to do? Um, legal and accounting fees, um, a Bigfoot 3D movie project. They're looking for some money for that. Um, but also that they'll use a small amount of their money to search for Bigfoot. Presumably um, <coughs> right. to give them some footage for their video. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so if you're interested in um, being involved in a Bigfoot, a company that's looking for Bigfoot, you can now invest in them. Of their three million they're hoping to raise. Three, sorry? Three, three million. million. Yeah. 30 million shares, 10 cents each. <coughs> three million. They wow. are budgeting 113,000 a year for expeditions. <laughs> so. Hmm. That okay. seems rather that And seems apparently rather low. the person involved who has announced it um, is Carmine Tom Biscardi. Um, and he, I believe, is... Um, he were, Was he the one that... Uh, he's, he's done a lot of we've seen Bigfoot things. Yeah. Apparently is a controversial figure amongst Bigfoot enthusiasts. So, right. Yeah. He's... he's Yep, pictures of him with various feet, footprints. Yes, not a particularly encouraging photo of him either. (laughs) There seems to be a lot of similarity between him and the purported Bigfoot, I reckon. I think that so that that picture was taken at a news conference where they'd said they discovered a carcass of Bigfoot. Yeah, which was later to be a hoax, apparently. Was it a, it was a gorilla suit, fitted gorilla suit with (laughs) meat in it. (laughs) Put in a freezer or something. He now says he was deceived. (laughs) I loved how on the page they've got a picture which is a bust of Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) As if Bigfoot actually exists and they actually made a drawing. It's a drawing of, Yeah. yeah. That's uh, hilarious. No, I okay. wonder how the uh, wonder how they're selling their shares or how the shares of a sale of shares is going. It'd almost be worth getting one just for the um, lols of saying, "Look what I've got." Yeah, almost. Yeah, or not. Um, that's where you should put your money, Nathan. 
Yeah, clearly. Your my, my, ten, my 10 cents that I've got in my savings. <laughs> um, fish oils. Whale, yeah. whale oil beef hooks or something. <laughs> This is the big story. Have you not? Have you not heard yes. the big story? This no. is it to do with what Thingy was talking about at the conference? Thingy, then? Ben Thingy. Albert. Ben Albert. Yes. Doctor Ben Albert. Doctor Ben Albert um, was talking about fish oil. He yes. So some of his talk is still um, we're not allowed to talk about. I didn't like to talk about. Oh, sorry. Um, nice. But this we'll part is. So what Ooh. they had just have just published is a paper where they looked at thirty three uh, available um, fish oil supplements. Um, and had a look at uh, basically did they did they meet the levels that they said they had. So one of this the, this article is is now is Ben's research. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, and so one of the things about fish oil is that they can very very quickly turn rancid. Mm. Um, it oxidizes, and uh, so what they were looking at is um, how what what is the level of oxidation of these um, supplements. So do they have what you think they have in them yeah. um, is it at a, is it a, at an appropriate so when they oxidize yeah. they become something slightly yeah. different they're, they're they're not as effective. the interesting thing is that you've used the word rancid on yes, the TV nobody reporting else has. nobody said that yeah huh. yes so that so that's one of the things that be, that's been missing they don't use it in their paper either but um, that's because they're that's because it's a science paper and you probably wouldn't use the word rancid they call it highly oxidized instead right. um, and it's one of the reasons why uh, the stuff is oft, often encapsulated because you know the smell would put people off. So this paper um, like, basically looks at this level of oxidation. They also recorded uh, sort of the price of the product, you know, when they bought it and things. Mm-hmm. And and what they found is that of the thirty three products they tested, only oh, sorry thirty two products they tested, only three actually. Um, were what they said they were on the label. So they had the right levels of all these different things and they weren't um, they weren't they weren't rancid, they didn't have higher level high levels of oxidation and stuff. They looked at quite a lot of different markers that are different types of oxidation markers that I'm not going to go into. Um, and what they were most surprised by was that the best before date, the cost or the country of origin had no relationship between the quality so it didn't matter whether you bought something really expensive didn't matter whether you bought something local or international um they're basically all really bad Mm. and so the question now which is part of ben's research which he can't talk about yet is what are the consequences of this if uh of it you know it's one thing to take a supplement um, if it's not what you think it is or if it's if it is rancid is it just you know it's just it's just not, just doesn't have the levels you think. Or are those um, or waste actually products harmful? actually harmful? And yeah. so that's sort of the next thing that he's been doing. So, so the way it was exciting. reported on the news is that there were, firstly, that it's a very, very popular supplement that yeah. lots of people take it. Yeah. Mm. In the in the introduction to Ben's paper, he says that in the US, um, more than a third of adults who use supplements take fish oil. I mean, our, my in-laws take take fish oil everyone takes this stuff for for their joints and there's actually you know for their joints yeah it's supposed to make it's a pretty well known I thought it was meant to be good for the brain no it's it's everything it's for um, it's all sorts it's supposed to make you more you know right um, yeah it's all sorts of things especially for information one of the things that I got from Ben's talk which I don't know whether is is something that's still not meant to be talked about but if it is saying, well, this, 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 
efficacious whether actually yeah. you are better off eating um, fish yeah. than you are to actually be taking these supposed extracts of the fish that mm. would might do you good mm. yeah so a, a diet high in fatty fishes is, is good right. salmon and things like that, that that's really good um, the point being that and again this is something that, that might not be public information yet but the point being is that the fish oil when it's in the fish is, is good and it's still fresh Mm. When they take it out and process it, the time delay. Well, as soon as it as soon to... as it has contact with oxygen, it starts to oxidize, and so this <clears throat> oxidation is basically it becoming rancid. Yeah. Um, and so the question is how quickly that happens. It can it can start happening very quickly. So yeah, the method of preparation of the fish, where the fish have come from, how the oil has been um, stored. You know, are you storing it in a cold place in the dark? All of these things will impact on how oxidized it is. Mm. Um, this is not a new story. So I found a, a report, another um, New Zealand team, this time at um, Crop and Food Research. It's one of the CRIs, it's probably got a different name now, back from 2005, saying that they need that, that they were calling for better methods for stabilizing the oils because they so quickly become... Um, they, 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 they oxidize and, and basically become off and they were worried about what these uh, breakdown products, whether they're harmful. So this is, you know, like nine years ago, they mm -hmm. were saying this could be a problem. We need to know what the, by what the breakdown products are doing. Um, um, we need to, you know, it's highly likely that most things on the market are not, um, uh, yeah, are not what they say they are and that's what yeah. Ben's work has, has shown so what's really going to be exciting is is the next part of his research which is what is the impact of this yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean I personally don't think there's any good case to be taking any sort of supplements that does seem to be the sort of well, skeptical position just... that what, why do you need to go and take the stuff if you're eating a reasonably healthy diet in the western world that you're talking about just wholesale taking supplements for no reason. If a doctor is said, oh sure, yeah. sure, sure. I mean, I mean, yes, for for purely for preventative. Um, I've I've diagnosed that I should be taking supplements myself yes. because I've heard mm. read in popular press that that they have some sort of effect and they are good for me. I also found an article from Mercola about um, about why the um, fish oils will, might be bad for you so he'd interviewed somebody saying yes you know these these they could be bad um, and they oxidize blah 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 but it turns out that this person uh, <laughs> he has a different product he wants you to eat krill oil right. uh, which he supplies so what a surprise okay. <laughs> yeah okay the next so, day Rue Wakefield <laughs> moving on to okay. what the fuck Susie. yeah this is me again um, now I know MMS can cure cancer. Are you trying to tell me that it can also cure autism? Well, so there is a, a movement within the um, you know, families who are trying to cure their autistic children um, saying that uh, Miracle Mineral Solutions, so this um, pool cleaner, uh, is something that can uh, be used to treat autism. They believe that autism is a... It's a. Uh, well, it's they don't believe it's, They don't believe it's a developmental disorder right. or anything neurological. They believe it's caused by 
um, having bacterial, viral, parasitic kind of infections of the gut. Right. So they have a protocol whereby they call they starts with the baby bottle method which is to put the mms in baby's bottle and start feeding it to them that way and they give it as enemas and as bugs to to a baby yeah to children as young as um they're claiming they've cured 160 children of their autism doing this because it gets rid of all the parasites um it's really depressing there's a there's an incredible lady so the reason i heard about this is because i had done something um last year when the genesis 2 church tried to or came to new zealand to try and open a chapter here and i went on tv and talked about mms and then um a lady in ireland saw it and she's been she is a mother of one or two autistic children and she's trying to campaign in Ireland she lives in Ireland she's trying to campaign to stop MMS being you know to, to shut down people who are trying to supply MMS because as a mother of autistic children she's been told this is a treatment for her children and so this amazing lady called Fiona is is basically sort of running this campaign in Ireland to try and get MMS and the Genesis 2 church sort of shut down there and yeah so she got in touch with me and told me about this um and it's it's a, another new story that's sort of related to this is that there's a family um, in the US who've just had their seven children taken away from them, um, supposedly because of MMS. It's a it's an interesting family. They're um, a homeschooling group of um, preppers, you know, so the ones who are, believe in the end of the world is nigh, and they're all armed to the teeth and bunkered right. down. And so they have seven or eight children, and they were raided. Uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and all the children have been taken from them right. and it's claimed Good. that it's because of the children were being put at risk of harm by them having MMS in the house wow. it's kind yeah, of interesting the children haven't been returned yet and the family are um, going to court to try did and we, get them back did we talk about that um, teenage girl who was home schooled who actually ran away to go to school from her family I don't know whether we did <laughs> no. I haven't heard about it ah. Oh, okay. Where was that? No. Uh, I think somewhere in the States there was like this um, family and there was this teenage girl who was, who'd was who been homeschooled since, I don't know, since she started learning stuff mm-hmm. and eventually decided that actually, no, she was going to run away from home so that she could actually go to a real school. <laughs> nice. I must state here that not all people who homeschool are... Religious nutjobs. Nutjobs, yeah. No, I'm sure they're not. And um, um, and I actually know some homeschoolers myself, and they're perfectly nice people. Who throw their kids off boats. <laughs> uh, no, okay, all right. So I know lots of people who are homeschoolers there. Yes, I did not think of that. Um, and can we just talk for a second about um, the trademark colours of this website's logo? And someone should tell Google of the oh is that where I've seen those colours yeah right well does Google trademark its colours oh Oh, I'd hope so because it's virtually identical Mm. they've swapped two of the colours over yeah they are Um, are. certainly very much going for the same yeah same same look look. yeah yeah Um, the website is called even the Microsoft logo in the corner there um Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? The little... thing about trademark is that if someone does do something that violates your trademark, you've got to do something about it because otherwise you lose your trademark. 
So just bringing it to Google's attention could mean that. Mm, well, this is possibly true. Sorry, where are you talking about the, the uh, Microsoft logo? The, the, the jigsaw. The jigsaw. Ah, well. There's a jigsaw in the Well, there's corner. a jigsaw, okay, but Microsoft's logo is a flag. Yeah, yeah, still. Same sort of. Okay. No. Anyway, that was that was my, intro, my well, contribution. Well, so you're going to get onto that, Nathan? Yep. Complain I'll, to Google? Uh, I'll email Google and let them know. <laughs> yeah, Richard Wiseman the other day to let him know someone had stolen his, his video and stuck it up on Facebook and he emailed me back and said oh. thanks, check into that. Um, w one of the things that these these people do, um, one of their treatment regimes is they call it 72 by 2. Um, so for 72 hours, every two hours they treat the children. They So this is often common in chelation therapy too where they give these horrible things to children. And it's, it really is every two hours for 72 Jeez. hours. They wake the children up. Oh, right. so this. every two, two hour intervals? Yeah, for, for 72 two hours, hour period. the children wow. are treated either with an enema or with a... I thought you meant like two hours with... every 72 hours. No. Actually two, every two hours. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. So not very nice stuff. Not no. very nice stuff. Okay, something else. Something um, less else depressing. Will... Uh, are we on to white van speaker scams, are we? New Zealand. Craig, well, New Zealand, everybody. Yes, yes. Speakers, so, white van scam. I've heard well, of this. So, well, actually, apparently this is a very common scam, but yes. it's, apparently it's turned up in New Zealand. And it's so, literally a white van. It is literally nice. a white van. So there are, Taking that there are people who uh, turn up in, say, a well-trafficked car park, such yeah. as a, a McDonald's or... Uh, a Bunnings or something, and then um, to unsuspecting people, pounce upon them and offer them um, uh, some hi-fi speaker yeah. system for sale at a very discounted price. We've ordered too many, and we uh, have well, these yes, leftovers, and we have to get rid of them cheap. Yes, yes, or they've been to the warehouse, uh, to their warehouse, and um, too many were ordered from the factory, and so they've managed to be able to get rid of them, and uh, yeah. so buy them off me for, for cheap. But um, I, I went to the website that um, that they used for marketing these. So so anyway, so somebody in Hamilton was uh, almost taken in by this, and uh, so you go to the they show you the the website for this equipment on um, their phone or whatever, and it looks kind of genuine. But I actually had a look at it last night and had a read of this product specifications um, for the equipment, and um, it's actually quite comical, really. The, that um, <laughs> some of the specifications that are on there. It's um, it's like uh, they've taken a whole lot of sort of tech buzzwords and put them together into things that actually made no sense whatsoever. So it's even so even the boxes and stuff don't make sense. But, well, the they've made the boxes up. It's typically, like what you another... get is you get a box which has quite a nice flash-looking system on it. And yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Name inside, brand system. inside, inside is a cheap, really nasty, cheap, right. really crappy two-dollar shop. Down okay. system, yeah, right, yeah, and so people um, people get it home, get it home, and tear it up, and it's absolute crap. Yeah, but they've gone to all this trouble of um, of making this website that looks at first glance to be kind of authentic. Are you seeing um, a link to this website somewhere? Did you look it up? Um, yeah, yeah, um, and actually, it's quite funny because when you actually look at the pictures, the pictures look like they've actually been they've made up a sort of a a high tech kind of amplifier in Photoshop. Yeah, it does. And it's not really... It's not like a real thing. It's not like a real thing, yes. The, um, 
Yeah. So, so for some examples, like TSC clip high, uh, chip high performance resolution ready, inbuilt harmonic distortion ratio. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's built in. Yes, yeah, built Why in. Why do you have to add yes. it on extra? <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah. Uh, and oh, and there was another one where yeah, diamond, iron, boron, magnet. Yeah. Yeah, so they've um, produced a whole lot of buzzwords and stuck them all together. MP3 digital pro inputs. Mm. AC3 active scan AV inputs. Calling system fans. Actually, what you don't want to your amplifier is a fan. Yeah. Because they make a lot of noise, and that's <laughs> not what you want out of your amplifier. So anyway, um, yeah, so watch out wow. for white vans selling cheap audio equipment. So basically, um, not they, they take people in. They take people in by saying, the, look at this website. Yeah. The retail price is $6,000. Ah, uh, well, I'll give you a discount. I'll sell it to you for $1,000 yeah, or whatever. You think you're getting, really think you're getting a really amazing deal. It's and a pretty fact, flash website. What I really like, I'm just having a look at the amplifier and it's got little sound waves coming out of the amplifier on the picture. Has it? Yeah. You're looking at better pictures than I'm looking at. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that kind of implies that it has a Wi-Fi connection, I reckon. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's got a little aerial. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I'm so sure that go. none of our listeners would be um, I was gonna taken say, yeah. in by such a this is scam. The sort of advice that we would expect to have to give people don't buy a stereo out of the back of a white van <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, hopefully yes anyway wow. right one more article Luminate Festival oh yeah that, this yeah, is I probably this. Susie is it I brought, brought this we've just been on our holiday we've been to Golden Bay which is um, the other side of the Abel Tasman National Park Right. up at the very north of the South Island. Um, and starting on the 28th of January, they're having the Luminate Festival, which they say is an earth-friendly festival of music, oh. arts, culture, oh, inspiration and transformation. I'm it was going to be something to do with light, lasers and glowing well, bacteria and stuff. Well, it's got something to do with quantum, oh, although God. I don't think it's quantum as, as, as we know quantum. Um, uh, and it's got a whole heap dear. of people doing workshops. Oh, sorry, it's the Unified Field Theory. Um, yeah. Note everything. So it's going to, yep, yeah, so the, they're going to talk about the um, theory that proposes solutions to the quest for unification for not all, not only physics, but also cosmology, chemistry, biology, anthropology, geology, psychology, and the evolution of consciousness, thereby revolutionizing our current understanding of our place in the universe. Just to clarify, this is actually a festival of hippies yeah with nut jobs and cranks and alternative bullshit and nothing at all scientific going on because what you just read out there sounded actually sort of kind of interesting but that's how they do it right? they, they, they put it in they put it in language um there's it's I'm in just, two just days, days 13 hours and 55 minutes from yes, now uh, from their website i just want to read this one um this part i'm not sure what where this comes into but anyway there's a little section saying activating animal awareness and creature consciousness mm-hmm. um, the creatures of the planet are talking to us and facing many challenges well that's true um, mind you she's saying breakfast uh, um, so they're saying align with your inner animal energy create something creature like to wear dance your totem animal embellish yourself with costume mask or paint yeah, yeah. so hippies mm-hmm. just 
long story short. It's, so it's interesting. It starts in two days' time. So so the twenty eighth of January. So so basically, it's running during the week. Yeah. Mm. Well, they're all hippies. They have jobs. Right. They don't have jobs. <laughs> okay. So you think it would run at a weekend at least? You well, would. But it's think. running over quite a few days, right? It's yeah. The fourth of February. Um, there's going to be. They have these things called. Um, the workshops they call KISS, Knowledge and Inspirational Sharing Sessions. Um, so they've got things, so that's what one of this unified theory is. This one they should about, redefine KISS as keep it scientific, stupid. <laughs> yeah. um, you like this one, audio production and musical intention. Right. Wow. Sonic discoveries of traditional Maori instruments. Um, Zenergy facilitation processes. Something about maintaining connections between individuals. Right. What if we put a link to the website and Um, people can... And then there's also Dr. Sam, and I think we'll talk about Dr. Sam another time. He's a... um, a, Who's unlikely to be a doctor. Um, Well, he's he's a chiropractic doctor. He's a a chiropractor. He claims to have a doctorate in chiropractic too. Um, He's going to be talking about nutritional anthropology for those who are confused about nutrition. (laughs) Should you be raw food, vegan, vegetarian, flexitarian, omnivore, paleo? Doctor... Well... He's Sam obviously the right person to tell them how to be confused about nutrition. There also does look like some really cool stuff. Like yeah. there's, well, um, some of the stuff you read out sounded vaguely interesting. <laughs> okay, I wasn't reading out anything vaguely interesting. Oh. The vaguely interesting stuff is people doing all sorts of amazing things like gymnastics and stuff with fire and things. Not, yeah. Anyway, it's okay. going on soon. Cool. So if you want to check that out, it's in um, Canaan Downs. Golden Bay. Golden Bay. Aotearoa. That's New Zealand for those of people who don't live in New Zealand. Illuminate. Oh, right. And that's because you were near there when you're on holiday. Yes. Right. IlluminateFestival.co.nz. Oh, you just missed we it. We just missed it. Shame. I was very keen to go and find out how my biology um, research will be unified. Interestingly, their, their logo has a red, bree, green, blue, and yellow in it as well. Do you think they've ripped off Google? <laughs> but they're using nice earthy tones. Oh, right. Okay. And they're not using the tones. different colour for each letter and the specific... <laughs> Shut up. It's a valid comment. And you're a mean poopy head. Um, so, moving on now to our interview. Uh, so, someone at the table is particularly qualified to introduce... Uh, our interviewer, Craig, do you want to <laughs> take that one? <laughs> no, Susie, maybe? Well, we should. Okay. No, no, Susie can. Susie, so you do it. I, I kind of, I have a, a um, conflict, of conflict of interest, so you I do. think I should step away. Right. So I'll I step away so from I introduce the mic. myself. <laughs> well, that's rude. Yeah, okay, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Stephen Galbraith. Dr. Stephen Galbraith. <laughs> I'm an Aspro. <laughs> I am so going to put that on everything from now on. Uh, and I um, work in cryptography at the University of Auckland. Cool. So you're basically uh, like Alan Turing. You're the Alan, you're the Alan Turing of Auckland. So similar, except for a few minor differences. <laughs> <laughs> he you're ran like marathons. Ah, right. So in and any way, other way. You don't like apples. <laughs> I'm actually allergic to apples. Oh, no. <laughs> Only four ones. Yeah. So that was a cunning segue there into the actual topics. We wanted to ask you what you thought of the imitation game. Yes. The movie. 
So this is the Imitation Game movie starring our, our favourite um, actor who plays Sherlock Holmes, Benedict Cumberbatch. And it was about, and it was about the story of Alan Turing and his co-breaking in World War Two and other things. And I enjoyed the movie. It was a good movie. As did I. Hmm. I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. It was well made, well acted. Um, and this, uh, so it was set at most of the action was set at Bletchley Park, which is still there. And I've been there. It's a, it's where the co-breaking took place in World War Two. And it's nowadays a museum, or I guess you'd call it a museum. And um, you can go along there if you're going on a trip to the UK. It's it's um, not too far out of London. It's near Milton Keynes. Don't and, stop in Milton Keynes. Oh, Milton Keynes is fascinating too. This is a Milton Keynes. For those of you who don't know, was a city that was designed by architects. Wow. <laughs> and um, it's very funny. It's got, got lots of roundabouts. <laughs> right. And a giant ski slope, indoors ski oh, yeah, slope. I forgot about that. Anyway, so Bletchley Park is a very nice place, and they and they um, it's got this old stately home, and it's got these huts that they built in the war, and then it's all still there, and you can you can go to the huts where the where the first electronic computers were built, um, which is of course one of Turing's big contributions. And they have a replica of the of the Christopher machine. <laughs> I have no idea if it was really called Christopher. Right? No, like, apparently no, it wasn't. Yeah, according to yeah. the, yeah, my reading, it wasn't. SG yeah. yeah. said that and as well. In fact, they had multiple machines. Yeah, they had hundreds of them by the yeah. end of the war. Mm. Yeah. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Mm. So, have you seen the Enigma movie, which came out? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, I don't think I did actually. A dozen years ago, mm. at least. But that was that was quite different. But it. I don't know, I don't remember it very well, but I thought it had a reasonable portrayal of um, sort of the computing machinery, probably better than, than the imitation game did. Yeah, I mean, the imitation game was really about Turing. Yes. And so they've, there's other stuff in the story that they've basically written out. So, you know, the, 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 the big thing that was missing was the Polish the Polish contribution. So the, the, there were these Polish cryptographers whose names I can't pronounce that had already made good steps towards yeah. breaking Enigma, and then they got sort of managed to escape Poland and and get to the UK, and then they shared a lot of their information, and then it was really awful because then they were basically these poles were they basically excluded. So basically, they gave all this information and ideas to the to the, the British cryptographers, and. Um, and then were moved on to do to do other stuff for the rest of the war, and, and, and never never even knew that that they'd somehow gone all the way. Because this is the, the amazing thing. So after the war, all the machines were destroyed, all the papers were burnt. That they showed us in the yeah, movie, so that was really... and and nobody knew about it. It really was. And and when I was when I was studying computer science in the eighties. You know, you were taught in computer science one hundred and one that the first electronic computer was built by the Americans, and it was called I can't remember it was called ENIAC or something. It was, oh, it was right. It was yes. built in Chicago, I think, in nineteen forty. And it's just not true. The first electronic computer was actually built at Bletchley. Mm. Um, not so much the the bomb, but there's other, some of the later Mr. Colossus, the, the built by Tommy Flowers. So you know, the, the, all that stuff was was completely written out of history until. So yeah. B O M B bomb was the. It's got an E on the end. And that name, I don't say the e. and that name comes from the Polish. It comes right. from the Poles that created that name. Ah, right. Mm. Okay. Well, so what does it even... mean in Polish? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, we need to get better guests. <laughs> God, you didn't prepare at all. He didn't know he was going to do this. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I thought that, I mean, I thought the, you know, the, the thing that was, the thing that was nice was this just sort of the head scratching. They really showed the frustration well. You know, these guys were sitting in this room and the Germans are changing their keys every day yeah. and they were scratching away and every day they had to start again. And, and I think that was probably a very accurate um, kind of depiction of the, of the frustration and the, and the hard work, right? That was really hard work these people were doing. Yeah, yeah. The, the reaction I had in the movie was that like, so midnight came around and they knew that the keys were going to be changed. I thought, well, why wouldn't you just let the machine run and see whether it actually worked and produced a result given enough time yeah. to actually prove that the, prove that the machine did actually work. The machine actually yeah. worked. Yeah, well, again, just I it off that was the, the goal there, there for dramatic tension, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah sure. Yeah. There were so yeah, so there were a lot of inaccuracies in the movie, apparently. Yeah, well, there was a lot more than four people involved. <laughs> there, were, well, there, were about, there were about five or six. There were the sort of the character. I mean, this is the problem with movies, right? You can't have too many characters, so yeah, you have no. a small number of characters, and 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 there you are. But of course, there was a huge team, and then there were, um, yeah. I mean, Turing was one of many. I also found it interesting that the um, the military people sort of wanted to sort of remain in control and weren't didn't put any trust in um turing to actually know what he was doing and, and actually come up with a solution mm. i wonder if that was actually the case the letter to churchill is true oh, really? right so there really was somehow frustration and a, um, a, a bunch of the cryptographers sent a letter to churchill Right, um, and Churchill said yes, this is important, and overrode the bosses. So I don't remember all the details, but that 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 part of the of the story is true. Mm. Um, and another part of the story that's definitely true is the fact that they didn't use all the information they got. So there was this this very powerful scene in the movie yeah. when they 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 they, 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 they get this information and they realize that a ship's going to go oh, down. We can we can save them all. Back. And um, and and of course they don't act on the information because because that would be a giveaway. And th this absolutely happened. But I suspect. But I think. You know, it wasn't it wasn't Turing standing there saying, "Oh, we can't do anything." I mean, obviously they <laughs> they just gave this information to senior military people, and the senior military people would, would decide which information to act upon. Yeah. Um, but that that's absolutely true. Of course, of course, that's the way it was. They couldn't let the Germans know that they were reading Lindenberg because everyone assumed Lindenberg was unbreakable. Yeah. Well, yeah. according to some people, the Germans assumed that as well, and that they were nowhere near guessing that anyone had figured it out no exactly. they just they were very arrogant about it so one question i had about it about the technical uh, side of the enigma machine itself so how did they yeah, how, does it how did they rotate the keys <laughs> so how did like so all the machines out in the field mm -hmm. would have a new set of keys the following day how did they oh they had code books oh right yeah so 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 the, so whenever someone you know they, they had code books because they would capture submarines for example so if you you know you kill a u-boat you, you, you go aboard if you've quick enough they haven't destroyed the code book and that tells you this code settings for the next few months yeah. right. so so you could already um, uh, well actually the submarines use a different cipher called Lorentz but the 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 you could always I mean, the classic thing is you try and get your hands on a code book, code book and that's yeah. going to tell you the settings for yeah. for the for the future but then the the, the important thing was to was to try and um, get access to these yeah because you're right because how do you how do you send send new keys just email them a new one every morning. Yeah, exactly. Including <laughs> um, the last message. So that <laughs> the next key is. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that was uh, yeah so that was how a lot of it was done. But then they had to they had to try and 
obviously break it when they when they didn't have they couldn't get their hands on any code books. Mm -hmm. um, so and and you think the part about them using sort of the standard piece of text that was in the oh yeah, but again that's that's that was overly dramatic because there was this kind of this is there's a scene in the pub where where yeah. somehow someone says something and this is like the big clue. Yeah. I mean, oh, you know, that, that was that movie. was that would have been obvious from day one. I mean, that would have been obvious to anyone who does cryptography. Yeah, that, that's yeah. how you. That is how you that's break, how you break system, a code. That is yeah. how all crypto systems are broken. That was not some aha moment in a pub. Right. That was there right at the beginning. So the the the, 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 the weakness of Enigma. So this is quite fun. So when people are doing cryptography, they always assume you want to. Cryptography is about messing up the message. You want to mess up the message, and so. Um, the Enigma had this feature that a letter never encrypts to the same letter. Same as, yeah. And you would think this is a good thing, right? Because because if a letter stays in itself, it hasn't been messed up. So that must be weaker. Yeah. yeah. So so surely it's a good thing. This is what everyone believed. It was a good thing that Enigma never mapped a letter to itself. Mm. But that was its weakness. And that's what the bomb was doing. It was checking combinations. And if, and, if, and if a combination resulted in a result letter, in a letter to itself. itself, you could eliminate that key. Yeah. Right. So it's the classic thing in cryptography that you really want every possibility to happen, including a message actually nothing happening to it at all and getting it and being sent in the clear. You want that to be possible in a yeah. crypto system because of because anything you want you want the output to be really uniformly random yes. as a function right. of the input, right. and anything that's not any bias is, yeah. is, a, is a weakness. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't see the movie. That's why I've gone quiet. Oh, oh right. Found the way of silencing Susie. <laughs> 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 I did. The future will always review movies that Susie hasn't seen. I, I did go and see a movie with Benedict Cumberbatch in it over the holidays. Was it Star Wars? Star Wars? No, no, it was um, Star Trek. Wasn't, um, the Penguins of Madagascar. No, Star Trek. I'm embarrassing myself. It was what? <laughs> the Penguins of Madagascar. Ah, right. He plays the elite... North Wind or something or anything. He is in everything. Um, I only saw it on Friday night, but I'm just trying to remember now. His supposed suicide was that actually covered in the movie? They allude to it, don't they? Because there's cyanide at some point. Yeah, and there's yes. apples. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't actually the, cover it in the movie, but they mentioned it. And they right show him late, and, and he's sort of all fuddled, and he can't do crosswords anymore, and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So no, they don't. They don't dwell on that. But the implication I took from the not being able to do the crosswords was that that was some sort of result of his befuddlement from the chemical the hormone, castration, the hormone therapy, the hormone yeah. treatment. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah, I, 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 yeah. But I of course, so. there is doubt over the whether he actually committed suicide. I don't know. In that, um, they think it might have been more likely to be an accidental death. As opposed to an actual sort of much, much has been written. I have no opinion. No, yeah, no. it's it's can go either way. I think from what I've read, mm -hmm. he was a he was an extraordinary guy though because he, he did all this famous stuff with computing and, and code breaking. But he also published he published stuff about biology and uh, and other things. I mean, mm. he really was he really was very smart. And he yes. was he was you know he was hard work. I mean, the film the film the you know a couple of things the film touches on was that he was sort of arrogant and thought he was better than everyone else. And that he had a stutter on these things, and this is this, this is all true. But even even more so, I think so. He was obviously that, that's that's a description apart from the stutter. That's a description of mathematicians, isn't it? <laughs> Arrogant and believe their subject is the. <laughs> Who could you possibly be talking about? 
I'll let you into a little secret for those who don't know. The reason I have a conflict of interest is because Stephen and I are married. Right. <laughs> so I know what it's like to live with a mathematician. Yes. My first wife was a biologist. <laughs> <laughs> I feel stop eating apples. <laughs> Actually, given what I do for a living, it's more likely that Stephen will no longer be with us shortly. <laughs> right. It wasn't suicide. <laughs> oh crap, you realize you've just done me in there as well. <laughs> I have to edit that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, Stephen. My pleasure. It was very interesting. Um, and that only leaves us with Delia's dubious devices. Yeah, I want um, to... It was a very sad week this week. Uh, a bunch of links here that aren't links. A purveyor of dubious devices has sort of gone into administration. Um, there's a, if you fly anywhere in the US, uh, there'll wow. be a catalogue in your... Um, Sky uh, Mall. Yeah, Sky Mall. I've heard there's Sky Mall. A, a catalogue of products like... Um, Oh god! Oh, so it is one of those catalogs of things you didn't know you didn't you didn't need. Well, you need, sorry, <laughs> you don't need them, but they think you do. Anyway, um, so I was I thought I'll have a look through there and see if I can find a um a dubious device. And I found it looks like wonderful. you succeeded admirably. Uh, yeah. So I want to talk to you about the Serenity Cat Pod. Um, <laughs> now the Serenity Cat Pod is sort of um. It looks a little bit like an alien spaceship. Um, it sits on three very thin legs. Um, it's probably about a meter high, maybe. Uh, and um, it's a little pod. And the picture on the <laughs> thing is very close to being egg shaped. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of an egg shaped little pod that the cat can. I actually have no. Well, cats are very clever at climbing, so I presume yeah. it's not going to tip it over. I, should, I assume they've worked that out that when a cat climbs into this pod, it's not going to. It doesn't look very stable. It does doesn't, not. Does it? No, but anyway, um, the important cats. thing about the pod is that it has mood lighting inside, <laughs> and so it can change. Um, they show you a picture of a cat in a pink pod. So does um, the cat get a little remote light? control? Or? So that justifies the thousand dollar price tag. Oh, is it no? Oh my god, it is a thousand dollars. Bloody hell, I actually So it says that um, it starts with the description, treat your pampered pet to the ultimate luxury experience by having them float away on a cloud-like bed into a bliss state with calming colour-changing light. Oh my um, god, it's designed by the pod designer of Men in Black 3. Anyway, uh, and so, yeah, so it has this, these LEDs that will basically change the light, light and it's supposed to um, signal to them when it's time for them to go to sleep and signal to them when it's time to wake up. It's like, this was designed by somebody who's never had a cat. <laughs> because, A, cats can sleep anywhere and do at the drop of a hat. Um, they know exactly when to sleep and when to wake up, and it's usually not when you're either awake or asleep you know they're they're um the exact opposite sometimes. they're pretty much the exact opposite uh so to spend a thousand dollars i mean it's very it's quite beautiful Ooh, i've just made it bigger um i don't think that's a real cat in there in the photo to be honest um it's kind of interesting uh so cats um oh that one looks a little bit different this one's got a different entrance that doesn't look like a real one I like that it's got a waterproof cushion protector. <laughs> I doubt whether it's necessarily water that it's being protected against. And also, wire chew protector. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so your cat's not going to be electrocuted by chewing through the cables. Yeah. 
<sighs> what can you say? If your pet happens to not appreciate the calm and colour changing light, you and your guests surely will. <laughs> <laughs> Pets should never be left alone unsupervised with lights plugged in. <laughs> Which raises another question, actually. Isn't that just going to be a huge freaking oven with the lights? I mean, they're LED well, lights. They're so yeah. not a lot of lights, but yeah. power supplies and... Yeah. I, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of neat looking um, thing. But... Speaking of power... Yeah, there's LEDs. Where's the power? It doesn't look like it it's has any power. It's not picture, plugged it? in, and this is plugged in directly behind it in the wall, I mm. suppose. Mm. That's very bright. Sorry for LEDs. No, that's fine. I love it. Um, yeah, so there you go. That and and it's very sad that Fantastic. there will no longer be um, dubious devices coming courtesy of Skymore. Why is that? Um, so why did they go into receivership? Oh, oh because nobody's buying or whatever. Yeah, I mean, probably. it's the kind of catalog where you can buy, you know, fake stone things for your garden, like sundials and, I don't know, Buddhas and stuff. And you could also get, uh, I was going to say tombstones for your pets, but, you know, headstones for your pets done. Um, but then also those things that correct your posture and little yeah, just anything. Things that you just, just loads didn't know. of weird tat. Basically. Yeah, tat. You're right. I mean, mm. But I did like this. Well, the website product. does say there are changes in the air, but we're still here. Place your order today. I bet they're saying that. <laughs> Use your money, please. A thousand dollars for your mm. serenity cat pod. But yeah, so, I just like that it was basically. Designed. So these well, are you've things... got two then, because you've got two cats. Yeah. So you have to order yeah. two. So these are things that actually order while you're flying, but you don't actually get them delivered until. I guess so. Well, it delivered as normal. It's not like they stock them on the plane and no. can give them to you. Right. It's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because the, you, the, you probably um, can't order them on the plane either because you're in the flipping middle of the year with no Wi-Fi. No. Unless you want to pay the, the old-fashioned of... way where you used to fill out a form and give it to the flight attendants. Right. right. So, I mean, these, these things... For, so, I'm not sure whether you've travelled very much, Nathan, but um, it used to be that you yeah, there was catalogues on all planes. You know, it was mostly to buy alcohol, jewellery, perfume, and cigarettes. Yeah, um, right. And it was to do with duty, and so the fact that they were basically... So, presumably, if you ordered them while you were in the air, then you didn't get yeah. to pay them to duty. Pay them. Yeah. Okay, right. yeah. Um, and then they sort of branched out. <coughs> oh, there was also usually uh, planes... Plain little plastic plane kits. Model planes. Model planes of, of the, the plane, plane that you're flying, flying in. in. Yeah, right. um, stuff like that. But lots of airlines don't or don't do much of this anymore. Um, and yeah, I guess because there's now huge shops in the airport where you can buy all the stuff. Yeah. Or you could just not and right. frankly go away and come home without all the tat. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I'm a, I am a little taken by the Serenity cat pod because it's pretty cool looking. But my cat's but I reckon you anyway. can build one for a lot less than thousand. <laughs> well, not me. <laughs> well. Having no skills in that um, regard. But I guess you could three D print it. Yeah. Um. Oh, a big enough three D printer. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. True. True. Although, yeah, would it be um, would it be handcrafted monolithic fiberglass? <laughs> no, maybe not. But yeah, very nice. Fantastic. Thanks so, we have a word, do we? Uh, word of the day. I am going to paste the word of the day. Oh, no, that's right. Is... We have to guess what it means, don't we? You have to guess what it means. I'll give you the easy one because okay. I'm generous like that. It's been a while. You guys are in practice. There it is. The word is periaster. Okay, I think this has got something to do with asses. 
Okay. Stephen, you have to guess as well. An astral the flower, Perry. No, after. No, pre. A, a, a pre flower. <laughs> mm. We've had a jolly good thing. I'm going to start asking for answers. Well, what sort of a word is it? Is it a noun or an adjective or a. He doesn't know. <laughs> um, is it describing a thing? Uh, I, yeah, suppose, I, I suppose I suppose it must be a noun. I think so it's, it's referring thing. to before well, or something. So what could Esther be? Uh, that's a confusing answer. So um Period Esther. Well I have no clue is it? I think at it's all. the period before. I'm thinking peripatetic. Which is something to do with walking about, isn't it? Or something to do with... <laughs> oh, okay. Or, uh, you know, wandering, what are they? Someone with a wandering mind. Okay, so Stephen's and this saying... this was the easy one, was it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, so, Susie, what, are you, what, are you, what was your answer? Final it was something answer. to do with time. Something to do with time. It's a type of person. So it's a word to describe a type of person. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's to do with a... a time. Was, to do with before something. Before it's something. Like a, um, but what the hell Esther would be? Or to do with flowers. So the period before flowers existed. Yeah. Craig, what yeah. was your answer? Or inside, um, inside maybe. Inside. <laughs> so basically she's just going through the entire dictionary and say it's something like this. No, okay, so, so I'm thinking perimortem. This is the Barnum answer. <laughs> I, think it's, I, I think it's an old person who's lost their mind. Craig thinks it's an old person who's lost their mind. And <laughs> Stephen's an answer. Stephen's answer was um, it's kind of wandering. So I think a person wandering. with a wandering, a person, a person who's seeking, seeking, wandering, open, wandering, wandering seeking person. mind. That's fine. Okay. The answer is the point in the orbit of a body in which no. it is nearest to its to a specified star. Oh. Peri Aster. Yeah. Oh, was that slight perihelion? Yeah. Perihelion. Right. Aster for astral. Okay. Yes. Oh Easy God. now. You see why I yes, chose that right, yes. right. So um, we've now got a puffing animal. <laughs> and the dog's back too. <laughs> and no serenity pod to put it into. <laughs> um, I was almost tempted to give Susie half a point for being something to do with time, but... Yeah, go on. Yes, give me a quarter point. No! Can't do quarter points. If I could do quarter points, I'd give you a quarter point, but no, Soz. Well, I'll keep score. I have a quarter point. You do that. Keep your own personal score. And what's the hard word? Uh, The hard word was panzoism. Panzoism. Oh, that Or possibly panzoism. So something Z-A-O-I-S-M to do with... Z-A-O-I-S-M or... So Pennsylvania is like the before... No, hang on, that's the... um. Seeding of life, right? From yes. Pans- so yes. Panzoism. Right. So seeding of. Well, it's something religious, I reckon. Yeah. And it's something to do with. Um, Panzoism, Susan. Um, the whole the whole universe being. Well, that's pantheism, though, isn't it? <laughs> that's pan- pantheism being the whole universe is God. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole universe is an animal. There's the no points for this one, by the way. Animal. Oh, not that anyone's getting close. So we've already done the official. So it's a so a zoo is where you put things. So it's a, so it's a place where you put all your gods so people can look at them. 
so okay. people can look at them. That's a, that's a good advance on religion. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Panzoism, the belief that animals and humans share a vital life energy. Ah, ah. right. Oh, okay. So that would basically be the Luminate Festival. Mm, right? Basically. Ah, yeah. right. Okay. They're Panzoists, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. And uh, good. last thing, okay. Craig, you've got we better get us? a quote out of here because the dog's going to go crazy. Right. Okay. So the quote is actually from a guy by the name of Alan Turing. Ooh, good of him. And um, he said, I am not very impressed with theological arguments, whatever they may be used to support. Such arguments have often been found unsatisfactory in the past. In the time of Galileo, it was argued that the texts, and the sun stood still and hasted not to go down about a whole day, and he laid the foundations of the earth that it should not move at any time, were an adequate refutation of Copernican theory. Hmm. Nice. Well done. So, I think we could claim him as an atheist. <laughs> Sounds like it. So, you've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. If you'd like to send us a message or ask us a question, check out our Facebook page or the Contact Us form on our website, cusp.org.nz. Mm-hmm.